Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1999, the walls of hell cracked, and fallen angels condemned to an eternity in the abyss were suddenly able to flee. With no choice but to come to terms with the decaying remnants of the paradise they helped create, these escaped fallen must now decide whether they will rebuild their masterpiece or burn it to a cinder. Hello and welcome to Demon the Fallen Fragments a Demon the Fallen game set in Rochester, New York, in the year 2001. This story features the character of Azoth, played by Tillman, Erichel, played by Rebecca, Brawlman, played by Adam, and Abathar, played by Slavic. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night, and on Discord at Twin Cities by Night. Again, Erichel is trapped in the abyss, battered from one wrathful fellow fallen to the next, trying to find a moment's peace but denied it by the sheer press of the fallen around her. Suddenly, she feels as if there is some room, some space, where it's quiet, where she can have a moment to herself. The voices of the fallen that she's been listening to for millennia suddenly grow softer and begin to whisper and she feels that that space that new space is not just that the abyss has grown larger it's not just that some of the fallen have moved to a different place no she feels that there is more room somewhere somewhere for the fallen to go to that is not the abyss she smells smoke but how can she smell smoke There's no flesh to smell it, but there's the impression of smoke, the impression of heat, an impression of frost, an impression of wind. She starts to tumble, tumble, as only one of stone and earth can, through the other fallen, knocking against them, sifting through them as if she were sand, rolling around them as if she were a boulder, on and on until finally she comes to a great cavernous exit, a hole in the walls of the abyss. She throws herself through and lands in a hailstorm. Chunks of ice, spikes of iron, the links of chains batter her, whip her, tumble her. She's tumbling through gears, screws, nails, nuts, and bolts, all of the great mechanisms of the machines that she once built in paradise for the war effort. Metal plates, bars, posts, struts, all of these things, all of these components swirl and swarm around her, tumbling through some sort of nightmarish storm of metal. One slams into her, knocking her through this wall of some, a soft wall, a membrane of some sort, And she finds herself tumbling through ancient cities of memory and thought, shattering windows that shattered once before, cracking through walls that were never built, not here, but were remembered here. The hands and feet and bodies and skulls. Are they really skulls? Or are they just the memories of skulls? Are they the memories of bodies? Sadness, curiosity, joy. Hate, angst, fear, deep terror, 
She shatters through all of these, feeling them and blowing right through them. She finds herself falling again through the soil of that strange world, going down through layers upon layers of bedrock. She lands in a great staircase, tumbles down it for a ways, notes the throbbing veins and the horrifying sounds that come up from below and come down from above, and she shatters through the wall there again, through bedrock, through layers of silt, through granite, through sand. She erupts out through into a night sky, realizing that there is nothing above her and only what was once paradise below her. She falls from the heavens. Mortals below seeing this might remark that there was a meteor that night. But was it really a meteor? She continues falling. She strikes a building, a tower, standing tall. Dark, gray stone, but it's not really stone. Black glass. She bounces off of it, tumbles around, turns into a sand, as if it were in a sandstorm, blows through alleys, underneath bridges, across strange ropes of metal. Sparks fly as she, as a piece of metal, perhaps even maybe flint, not metal, strikes another thing. But this thing she doesn't recognize. And another thing. She slams through a person and realizes that in that moment she was a bullet and that that person is dead. She slams in through a wall, through another wall, and through another wall. She lands in this strange thing made of earth that's been changed. It's white. It's smooth. There's water contained in it. There are metal pipes attached to it, and there's something in it. Something that was once warm, but is growing cold, and she lands on that soft thing and feels herself dissolve into it, the way that certain stones might dissolve in acid. And she feels herself spreading through this as if she were fire. The fires of creation, the fires of the forge. She feels her heat radiate through veins and arteries, through capillaries, reaching deep into flesh organs, muscle. She feels a part of her land inside a bony shell, and she realizes that it's the mind. There's nothing else in here, no flickering soul, no remnant of what whoever was in this flesh, but she realizes that she is in flesh. The flesh is cold, but the water is warm. This juxtaposition of sensations doesn't make any sense to her. She feels an immense pressure pressing down, down on the chest of this flesh. There is a pain by the hands of this flesh, both hands. A cold pain, sharp, that has had a few minutes to settle. The flesh gasps. (gasps) Again, she feels the heart flicker back to life. There's a beating there. The heart is beating, but there is not enough blood for it to beat. She feels her faith her essence, standing in for the blood, flowing through this body, forcing it back to life. The eyes of this body open. She sees that it is naked, in a basin of water large enough to contain it, both arms hanging from the edge in front of her, gashes in the wrists. A few remaining drops of blood drop down into the water, turning it a strange pink. 
So what does Erykel do? The heart beating in her chest. She lies there just looking around this room, taking in the sights, getting accustomed to breathing and the silence. There's been nothing but a cacophony of noise and here it's different. And she takes in the sights around her. The room is various shades of white. It's it's strange. There's the walls were probably white at one point, but they've acquired a strange yellowish hue. Reaching out, Erikel can feel that the walls might be a strange type of stone. She sees square patterns in them. She'll trace her finger along the patterns, just becoming mesmerized by what's there. Looking to the left, Erikel sees another smaller basin standing, hanging out of the wall. There are these metal pipes that connect it to the wall. And between that basin and the one that she's laying in, there is a basin with a seat on it. There are white, polished stone squares on the floor. Some are cracked and look like they've been repaired very poorly. The door is white. There's a handle on the door that is silver. What does she do? Arquel will stare at the broken tiles on the floor, and something within her urges her to slowly rise from this basin. And she will pick herself up using her arms to pull, almost push herself completely upright to sit on the the edge of it and just taking it slow and absorbing everything around her. And she'll stand slowly again and take slow steps to the upright basin next to the door and look down into it. As she does this, She's assaulted by thoughts and memories that don't belong to her. Fear and anger and deep sadness. There's this strange sensation. She's never felt it before. No, she has. She knows the sensation. Urgency. Emergency. There's danger. She knows she's not safe. The last time she felt this was when it was discovered that the creator was unmaking those who rebelled. There is fear of being unmade. No, not of being, fear of being killed, lingering in this body. How does she react to this? With panic, she'll inhale sharply again and race, uh, race for the door and just wildly move through the next spaces, not really perceiving what's around her. She runs out the door still naked, into a carpeted hallway. The carpet is old, worn through, but it still feels soft against her feet. It's a a beige color. The hallway is an off-white. There's a door to her left. Further down the hallway, there's a door on the right. At the end of the hallway, it seems to open up into a room. She can see a table with an oddly shaped gray box on it. Her first instinct is to retreat to somewhere to feel safe, but not knowing where that is, she reaches the end of this hallway where it opens up and her eyes focus on this gray box. And the the urgency almost melts just a little bit around the edges as she 
slowly takes steps to look at what's in the box. The box is strange. It is sealed on all sides, but the face of it, which is also the largest side, has moving images on it. And there's noise coming from this box. The moving images are two men talking. The sounds coming from the box are of two men talking. One of them places a small white stick in his mouth. It's burning on one end. And then a moment later, he removes it and exhales a cloud of smoke. Argwell is both hands on either side of this box, extremely close, nose almost touching the the face of it. And she's just squinting at these two beings, trying to figure out why they're in such a small contraption. What are they doing here? What What's going on? She hears a jangling of metal coming from another door behind her. Her head whips around, focusing in on that keen sound. Who's there? Is what's racing in her mind. Sense of danger turns, begins to intensify. The handle where, starts to jiggle a little. Where is it safe? Is the biggest question running through her mind right now. She searches around the room and just freezes. Her head whips back down the hallway to the room that she woke up in. The room that some small part of her recognizes as being the only one where the door will lock. And just as the handle turns completely and I, someone's kind of pushing through it, She'll bolt upright and make her way back down to the room that will lock. As she's running down the hallway, she hears from behind her, Don't you fucking run! We're not done! That does not deter her. She continues to run until she can feel safe and slams the door behind her, locking it. And just kind of crouching next to it, trying to barricade it with her body. The voice continues, Bitch, you get the fuck out of that bathroom! We are not done. Out. Now. Arkwell begins to tremble and just screams, No! Go away! There's a solid against the bathroom door. An angry growl, followed by another. Open this door! As he continues, as this person continues to bang on the door, Arkwell will back away from it watching it as the door kind of pushes in with each bang and a sudden calmness comes over her. And the question going through her mind is, who is this? But not in a who this person actually is, but just how dare they tone. With a final, Erica suddenly finds herself on a battlefield in paradise. In full armor, her halberd in hand, staring down one of her most beloved mortals, someone who she came to know intimately, someone who had been her apprentice, someone who she had seen from birth to adulthood, one of her favored mortals, standing there in the armor and livery of heaven, now her enemy. My child, you need not do this. Join me. We can make great creations. We can forge this world anew. Her former apprentice looks at her. She stands tall and lifts her sword and shield. 
My lady, we will make this world anew, but without you in it. Submit to the creator. Be unmade so that you may be forgiven. There is no forgiveness in being unmade. And with that, she will have her own sword and race towards her former apprentice, tears streaming from her eyes as she's moving towards them with a with such alacrity. The battle is brief. Her former apprentice fights valiantly, but in the end, Arakel bisects her with one mighty swing of the sword, and then Arakel falls to her knees over the body, exhausted and drained from the fight. What does she do? She weeps over the body of her former apprentice, cradling it within her arms, wishing that things could be the way that they were, that she could make them be the way that they were, and just questions why something so terrible could happen. As Arakel wipes the tears from her eyes, she opens them, and again she is in the present. She is kneeling. And on the floor in front of her is the body of a young man, broken, torn open, and clearly dead. The door frame is shattered, the door hanging from one hinge. The young man's blood is flowing out across the tiles, running along her legs, between her toes, underneath the bathtub she woke up in. Arquel will bend down to look at this person's face. Again, who is it? But this time, actually inquiring as to who it is. She digs, not deeply, through the memories of this body. She Thoughts come to her head of a lover turned sour, turned wrathful. Memories of beatings, of insults, of torment. Memories of fear, of shame, of isolation. Assault her senses, assault her mind. She knows this young man to have been the lover of the body she inhabits, but was it really love? Her hands pushing the mortal back just a little bit as she inspects his face, her gaze going from his face back to her hand, and she looks at the body that she's in, flexing the fingers, slowly examining herself closely, and gets up to leave this room looking for a different place to be. As she reaches the threshold of the room, she stops. She realizes that she is in flesh. That flesh is dirty, sticky with the blood of another. It needs to be cleansed. Real quick, the bathroom bathtub was actually full of bloody water, correct? That is correct. Okay. Arqua will go back to the main room. Remember seeing some similar device to the sink that's in the bathroom and will begin to sponge bathe herself there. As she does that, she hears a weird noise, this sort of noise coming from this device on the counter. Argyle goes to inspect it with a sponge still in hand dripping water on the floor. It's black and very shiny. It it doesn't look like any material Arakel's ever worked with before. It seems to have properties of a liquid, but it's a solid. It's shiny like ice or polished steel, but it's far too light to be either. And it continues making this noise. 
and there's a light on it that is blinking in time with the noise. She picks it up between two fingers, feeling the vibrations of the device and just inspecting it all the way around, looking for any indication of how to make it stop. The noise ends immediately as she picks it up. On the other side, there are these, they almost look like depressions, circular depressions that have a number of holes in them. One side has more holes than the other. And from the side with fewer holes, she hears a small sound, almost like a voice. She raises it, still between two fingers, closer to her ear to hear the voice. Esme? Esme, is that you? Esme? Yes, Esme, that's you. You need to get out of the apartment. He's on his way back. He's here. Are you okay? I'm alive. He is not. What are you talking about? What happened? He he found me, and hmm, I suppose he attacked me. But that was his that was his final choice. Who is this? H- how do you not know who? Esme, get out of the house. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? Get out of the house. Meet me. Oh, fuck. Where should you meet me? Jesus Christ, I don't know. Where do we talk about shit like this? Meet me at St. Mary's. Get out of the house and meet me at St. Mary's. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Arkwal tries to think of the significance of the St. Mary's. Images of a red and white building with towers. Are they, they're not really that big in terms of towers. One tower. There's one tower. On the right. Yes. It's a building. There's a, it's a house of worship. It's a, a place of safety, perhaps? Okay. I will be there. And she just sets the device down and feeling, feeling a chill in the air from, I'm assuming, the door still being opened. She will quickly sponge bathe the rest of the dirt and sticky blood off of her and find something to clothe herself in against the cold. As she steps out into the night, she is, again, she's assaulted by the sounds of the city. Sounds that she has never heard before mingling with sounds that are all too familiar. She hears automobiles. She hears dogs in the distance, crows cawing in the night. She hears a woman screaming somewhere down the street, two men arguing, throngs of humanity. And she walks off into the night knowing that this place is a disgrace compared to what she once helped build. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could get the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. 
the group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.